Hi everyone, welcome to HubShots episode 238. In this episode, we talk all about love and marketing. We talk about list performance, inbox automation, flexible redirects, plus Tom Cruise deepfakes. You'll listen to Asia Pacific's number one HubSpot-focused podcast, where we discuss HubSpot tips, tricks, and strategies for growing your sales, service, and marketing results. My name is Ian Jacob from Search and Be Found, and with me is Craig Bailey from Zen Systems. How are you, Craig? I'm well and observing the love. That's right, we are. So, on to our growth tour of the week, Craig. And as some people may not know, Brian Halligan was in a snowmobile accident at the end of February and is now recovering. Now, what I didn't know, he had 20 broken bones, Craig. That's right. And I know this from his tweet. And we've got screenshots of this in the show notes. You've got to see this. I, I just love these. He's done a little poem or, or a little limerick, actually, kind of more That's thing, right, talking it about it. And then Dharmesh has replied with love and Brian has replied with love. And you've got to see that. I, I, was, I was kind of touched. I, I, I think it's nice. By the way, they've done a good job of communicating it. So they sent notes Very to partners, good. to investors, right. everyone's aware. So there's no mystery. Oh, what's happened to Brian? Correct. It's all out there. He's very clear. He's got, you know, a succession plan. He's got people taking it. Like, it's just clockwork. It's worked really well and allows him to, well, heal. Now, talking about healing, Craig, your good wife has uh, written a poem. I'm going to read this poem in the spirit of Brian writing a little poem and Dharmesh replying in rhyme with him. So this is a poem, as you said, that my wife has written, and I'll read it because when you hear it, it probably makes more sense. Okay, so here we go. It's called The Bud of Mended Bones. O snowmobile hath done thy worst, with broken bones left Brian accursed, thus away to heal for him. Yet all's not lost here in his stead, rise others to assume the head of Hubspot for the interim. Well prepped by him for such need, take rein of his orange-hued steed, and ride on while he rests. Such high regard in which he's held, 100,000 numbers swelled to his leadership attests. And if he yet bleeds orange blood, twill not be long before the bud of mended bones doth bloom. Until that blossom hath her time, we offer up our humble rhyme to hasten her perfume. And so as Brian's bones do set, his ears attuned to grateful dead while strumming that guitar. Down under's hub shots, Craig and Ian send forth this Halloganian pen till lingers but a scar. Beautiful. All right, listeners, on to our quick shots of the week. And what do we have, Craig? We've got community upvoted ideas on HubSpot. I thought this was really good. You know how people note feature requests in the community? Correct. And I've often thought, oh, yeah, well, that goes into a black box to make them feel good. Oh, yeah, I'll it does this, Craig. right? You know, oh, yeah, we take, we value your feedback kind of thing. Turns out they do. And actually, they've now got a community post where they talk about the things that were most upvoted that they are going to action and implement. So we've got a link to that. That's great. And the second one, which I didn't even know about, was capitalizing your hashtags actually helps blind readers. I was so embarrassed when I saw this because it's, of course, obvious. But yeah, I've got a tweet here from a guy on Twitter that I follow. He's blind, uses a screen reader, and he just makes the point that all these hashtags, when they're all lowercase, it just totally confuses screen readers. And it actually, the only way that they then hear it is it actually spells out letter by letter. Oh, wow. So you can really help visually impaired people on Twitter or any any of the social channels just proper case your 
hashtags. Is it proper case, camel case, what do you call it? But capitalize the first letter in each word. Correct. I'm never going to write a lowercase hashtag again, Anne. Fantastic, Craig. On to our HubSpot marketing feature of the week, Craig, and this is about HubSpot list performance report. Now, listeners, this is not readily apparent, but one of the things that you will see in here, you can see your HubSpot list performance over time. When you pointed this out to me, Craig, I was like, wow, there's a wealth of information in there that's available to us. And if you're looking at this, it's under the actions menu when you're in the actual list. And it's the option at the very bottom where it says view list performance. It's all hidden away. And that's why I thought it was revisiting. This is not a new feature, by the way, folks. This is a reminder. Really useful, as Ian said. And we've got some screenshots in the show notes, by the way. Get the show notes. Sign up at hubshots.com slash subscribe. What about the Twitter link, Craig? Yeah, Twitter link. Shots up. But you can see list growth over time. That's useful. You get a breakdown of engagement and where they've come from. But the one I thought was the most useful is right at the bottom. You get a, get a sense of the ratio, not only the people that opened your email, but then you see how many actually clicked, but also more importantly, how many have visited the site yeah. in that same time period, which is 30 days, right? That's so, right. So what you can see here, and by the way, this is contacts that are in that list who have visited your site. They may not have actually opened your email or clicked, by the way. they might. It's just who's visited. So you get to see the sense and the thing that strikes, well, they're opening emails, but only a small percentage are going through to the site or visiting the site. It just shows the power of email, communicating with people regularly. They might not even be visiting your site, but you're still getting in front of them and they're opening your emails. So check out those list performance reports. I think you're right there, Craig. I saw something in one of our customer portals when we were analyzing contacts to find out the really good customers, right? And there's a long sales cycle, let's say six months to a year. And one thing we did notice out of the, let's say the top 10 customers, I felt that there were probably 50% that didn't visit the website, though that we could track. But because when they got into the sales cycle, we, we did enroll them into email marketing and they were still opening and reading emails. So it was just a point of contact but not necessarily one that was necessarily getting to the site. And that surprised me greatly because I thought everybody would have touched the site at some point in time in that interaction chain. And one of the things in this report that you'll see, it says, have they even submitted an MPS feedback? So it's actually very important, listeners. So have a look and see what's happening with contacts. Here's a scenario that you might want to call out. People have signed up and say they came through a lead form on social. So they, yep. as you said, they haven't even touched your site. You're communicating with them via email. So you, by the way, you own that. So that's an asset you own. Correct. You're controlling by email. And then after maybe three months, they come to the site. That's a really high sign of intent. So something that, so it's almost like, how can I get a cohort of, or a list of people who haven't visited the site for ages who suddenly do visit the site but have been regularly opening emails because that is a very gold, that, that cohort is gold, probably high intent there that you could jump onto. All right, onto our sales pitch of the week. And Craig, we've talked about this before. It's about inbox automation. And why I want to highlight this is I was training some people today that were using HubSpot and to my surprise, none of them had this on. So we went through and made sure that it was turned on. And this is an advanced setting that is not readily, again, readily visible, where you've got to actually click advanced settings and then enable it. 
Now, if you are setting this up for the first time, you do get the option to enable the inbox automation setting when you're installing the add-in. But sometimes it's not readily apparent at the time and people don't know what that actually means. So I want to take a step back and it's really done there to enable the artificial intelligence features within HubSpot. And what it does is look at email bodies and signatures and tries to get data from that to fill out the first name, last name, emails and phone numbers within HubSpot without you having to manually go and fill it out. There is another thing that it can do and it's recommending tasks based on email content. So if an email body contains intent to follow up, HubSpot will flag it as a recommended task in your daily digest emails. Now, this one, I thought it actually recommends the tasks for you and I was waiting for one when I had connected my inbox, but I never saw it. But now delving deeply into it, it says that it will flag recommended tasks in the digest email. Doesn't mean it'll create the task for you. Wow, that's excellent. I actually didn't even know that. Uh, so that's an excellent feature. Yes. So do, how do you get the, uh, the daily digest email? Okay, so you need to make sure that you've gone into your notification settings and you have enabled the, the uh, digest email. It's probably something I turned off. Ages ago, <laughs> as part of my cleanup, it's like, oh, I don't want to get distracted by anything. I was a bit over-officious on that. Okay. So worth going back and checking out your notification settings. All right, Craig, on to our HubSpot service feature of the week. And this is more on NPS surveys. And we talked about this in a few episodes prior. And this is from one of our listeners, Ben, in the UK, who we've done some work with and who is a avid listener to the show. So, Ben, Hey, shout out you. to Ben. And he coined this as a, how to implement NPS in a practical way. And he gave some really great points. And I have essentially stuck what he has given us and I've highlighted some bits. And so listeners, I'm going to take you through this. He's kind of got seven key parts that he runs through. He says, you want to actually find out what your industry NPS score is. So for him, he was actually trying to figure this out, doing some industry analysis. So that might be the f- first place to start. The next is obviously carrying out the customer feedback work to work out your NPS score. We've talked about how to do this within HubSpot. And what he has done or what he suggested is breaking this down into different parts of the customer journey, which I thought was really good. And I think I've discussed this before about doing it at different stages of the journey as well. Number three is plotting the realistic target for your NPS score. So this automatically does happen in HubSpot. What what Benny is actually saying is that you want to say in three years' time, we want to have an industry-leading NPS score of, let's say, 90, right? So that's what we're targeting for. Number four, then we use this target to set the team and we ask them, what actions can we all do that will contribute towards this industry's, this NPS score, sorry? And I thought that was a really good point to get everybody on the team on board. Number five, when we set this, these specific projects that the team are responsible for with SMART objectives, now we all know about SMART goals, and plot this out over the specific months. So he's being very intentional here about the actions that are going to drive the NPS scores here. Number six, measuring the NPS score over time. And crucially, everyone in the company has visibility of the NPS score and it's shared from the top to the bottom. So everybody's on the same page here. And this is, again, easy to do within HubSpot with the service reporting. And finally, it regularly reviews and adjusts the target if needed. And what do we need to do to make things happen? 
So here's seven points that I would have thought were fantastic. Now he said, regarding customer feedback, this is something that should be done by the relevant team that regularly reads and makes notes. So we've highlighted the notes feature in there when people are giving feedback and you can put that onto a dashboard as well. And internally, here's a little tip. He's got, they use an internal Trello board, which allows the team to note improvements that should be made on a regular basis. And management can review the feedback and determine priority and pulls all the resources together to take action in order to improve the customer experience. And then he said, this is the way NPS scores become something that the team generally uses as opposed to a vanity metric that just sits there. And I loved it. So there we go. Wow. What you've just done there in seven points and what well, Ben has done and that you've unpacked there, that's, that's really valuable. It's almost it needs a whole episode going through all of that. It could be a blog post for starters where you Correct. specify out how to do each of the actions. Maybe we should have Ben on the show. We should. <laughs> ben, that was, that was really uh, valuable. I want to make a few comments because two things. Well, one, I want to yeah, talk about this a little bit, but two, I actually want to be contrarian to it. The wonderful thing about this is that it's used as a company uniting principle. And, you know, it doesn't even really matter whether it's NPS or someone could be make it could be a random jump number generator on the wall for everyone, you know, for as far as everyone knew, but the fact that they get around it and it's like questions that are actionable, it's motivating actions. How can we make this better for the customer? It's just so if happens. You have a metric, which gives you Ties. feedback on whether right. that's working. Right. So that's great. But that leads me to my second point, which is just having that is valuable for a company because we, you know, in our agency, I'm sure you're doing this. It's like, how can we improve onboarding? How do we, and it's like, well, how do we even measure it? And it's really hard unless you've got something to gather around to kind of say, oh yeah, this is working. And in some ways, if the NPS just went down, it's like, oh, we're going to work harder. You know, it's kind of a good thing. Oh, someone got the NPS score (laughs) wrong. It went down. Everyone worked harder kind of thing, which is my second point, which is it doesn't even matter that it's NPS. And I'll just go on a bit of a tangent here. I was watching this documentary. I think it was on Netflix or something. It's about the Myers-Briggs oh, yes. personality yeah. um, tests, which I think, as most people know, is just complete bogus pseudoscience. There's no real, you know, no scientific backing behind it. Not to say all psych tests are bad. There are some that are much better than that. But Myers-Briggs is probably the most famous one, and it's just... Well-known, yes. Yeah, and the thing about it, it doesn't really matter that it's bollocks. It's the fact that everyone gets around it and they compare, I'm whatever my letters are and, you know, you're the... And ENTJ, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever yeah. they – but it sparks discussion and people – because people want to improve. They Correct. Like, they like talking about themselves and thinking about themselves as well, right? So that's half the appeal of these psych tests. It's, oh, I get to think about myself for an hour. But it actually drives actionable things and it almost doesn't matter that what underlies it is not particularly right. And in some ways, like I, we, we make fun of horoscopes and, you know, things like that, right? But it's almost like – you could have a horoscope tell you very specific things about your personality and if it drives good actions and outcomes, it's almost like it's actually a good thing in a way. So I don't want to say an NPS is a horoscope, right? I'm not that far. But you know I struggle with NPS. Ian. I know you do, Craig. I know. But here's an example where even if I struggle with NPS, I can see the value of it for a company and, of yes. course, for the customers. They get a benefit out of it. And it is so easy in many ways to implement in HubSpot. I just think overall this is tick, tick, tick. It's a great thing. All right, onto our HubSpot gotcha of the week, Craig. HubSpot flexible redirects. All right, I got myself caught. I'm you got client. yourself, you, your flexibility got you caught uh, out. Yeah, so you know in HubSpot there's two types of redirects, standard and flexible. Benefit of flexible is you can put wildcards and matching in them. 
Yeah. Anyway, I was trying to get smart over the weekend. I was trying – actually, I I'm still don't have an answer to this. I was trying to redirect a file. So we've got a PDF, a PDF? Yep. uploaded into the files in HubSpot. And that unfortunately, that PDF has turned up in Google's index somehow. And so the PDF ranks. We don't want it to rank. We actually want the page to rank. So I was trying to redirect that PDF to the actual page. We've got a content pillar page for it. So I thought I'd – well, I thought I'd try something. You know what I did? I ended up accidentally redirecting the entire site to, to that one page. page. Yeah. So it took the site to <laughs> complete debacle. Now, I've been doing redirects for years. In fact, I've been doing them back with the HTAccess files with regex and everything. So it's not as though I was a newbie, in, you know, <laughs> stumbling my way through. I actually generally, I, in fact, I still don't know how I did it. I got, I must have put a typo and accidentally put it in the wrong place. So the gotcha of the week is that with flexible redirects, with great power comes great responsibility, as you know, Ian. Just be careful. Do double testing. Now, I tested this after, and I didn't see it. And even though I was testing in incognito mode, so possibly there was some local caching on mm. my on my computer yes. that just meant that I wasn't seeing the effect of the redirect, but um, <laughs> the client told me quickly enough, I'm going to fix that. The takeaway, just when uh, flexible redirects, just double check. And so what I'm going to do now, anytime we put in a redirect, we're actually, we have to test separately on our phone on on 4G so no chance Not of caching on the same network yeah. essentially yeah all right on to our marketing tip of the week craig and we've got some google my business features and first thing i want to highlight you have now have the ability to add multiple appointment links whereas before you could just add one so i thought the scenario here could be you have multiple people on your team or you have Sales versus support, maybe? Correct, yes. That's exactly what I was saying. And and so this gives you options. So I just try to click add links a few times and it looks like you can do quite a few in there. So I encourage you all to have a look and maybe think about how you could utilize that in your business. <laughs> can I make a comment? You can connect with video, Google Meet. They've got Skype in there, but no Teams. No, that's right. Interesting. I, well, I don't know. Why do you think that is? Maybe they can't talk to Teams. Externally or connect. I was going to say it's the main competitor, but <laughs> they've got Skype in there. That's exactly right. Yeah. Uh, the next one is turning on web notifications, and this is in the messages. So previously, all messages had to be done on a mobile device. Now you can get it on your desktop as well, and you can enable these notifications on your desktop so you don't miss anything. And the third one is connecting with video. So there's an option to connect and what they say, offer online classes or quotes that people can can connect with you. And they offer Google Meet, Skype, Zoom, and WebEx. And it requires that you have a account to get that happening. And there are a few more updates in terms of COVID and so on that has been added in there. So I would actually say that you need to be looking at this at least every 30 days and making sure that you are keeping abreast with the changes that they're rolling out. All right, Craig, on to our insight of the week. And we talk about marketing equal equilibrium. Going to need your help with this, Ian, because as you know, I've been thinking through this idea. It's not fully formed yet, but it's a continuation of the thoughts we've been chatting through in the last couple of weeks around, I'm going to say, taking risks with your yes. marketing. And interesting topic I've been reading in a book called Anti-Fragile about equilibrium and how society kind of values it. And that's not necessarily a good thing. And to go off on a bit of a tangent, talks about the fact that 
in the US, one in 10 kids is on Prozac, you know, just to keep them in line. We want these little behavior bounds that are just very, very consistent, controlled, right? Yes. And that's not a good thing. And can you imagine if the great artists of past decades were on Prozac when they were growing, we wouldn't have half the art. And imagine if Elon Musk, oh, he's a bit of a trouble, mate, put him on Prozac when he was a kid, right? right? Just dim them down. Exactly. And the reason I mention it is there's a sense, and I can't quite articulate this fully, but I have this burning sense in me, and it's been over the last weeks and months. Yes. Marketing is just so boring for the majority of companies. It's almost the bigger the company, the more boring it is. I'm part of this now because that's what we're paid to do. And in some ways, taking risks doesn't pay the bills. And That's right. <laughs> and marketing managers feel the same, right? They've got internal stakeholders and they don't want to take risks. Last week, we talked about proactive versus reactive in the sense that being proactive about things that have failed, it's like, oh, that's a risk. You don't want to do that. I'm really trying to challenge myself and do it wisely for some clients where we're just like, let's get rid of this equilibrium, this kind of oh, balanced, restful state. Let's be contrarian. Let's, mm. let's take risks. And I kind of have a personal mantra, which is calculated risks, no regrets. So I'm not talking stupid risks. I'm talking calculated, thoughtful, yes. considered risks. But they're not having regrets when many of them will fail. And I think that's what I'm trying to get at with my marketing and with our agency and just being different. Just do something that's not boring, you know. Let's, let's do stuff. So listeners, I, I'm just putting that thought out there. I love your kind of feedback, uh, maybe examples of the way that you're doing it. For mm. inspiration. I want that's motivation right. to do it more. I want to do... I just want to do really exciting marketing. I think you're right there, Craig. And I, I built a scorecard recently. And one of the questions I ask in there is, do you have 20% of your budget set aside to test new things? It's quite interesting to hear the responses people have because some people, majority will say no because they've allocated towards things that they're currently doing or they're in the process of doing. And so I think this this really lines up well with your thinking in terms of, what are we doing that's different? What are we trying out that's not in the rule book or not in the academy course that we've just done? And I think coming back again is how much time do we actually spend to think about stuff? Like do we take time to think and formulate and solve a problem or to come up with new ideas? Because we are all consumed. Like I look at lots of people around me, they're always consuming lots of information. They're either listening to it but they're never still and they go, okay, I'm not going to listen to anything. Like silence is almost the killer, right? So if, if you're in the car and you're driving like myself at times, you can be consuming eBooks, you can be consuming podcasts, but have you ever thought, oh, maybe I'm just going to turn all of that off and I'm not going to listen to anything. And that's when we get ideas and thoughts about how we can do things in a different manner. And I always value it because I think you've got to be quite intentional about it. So you've got to be really focused. And one of the things I have done is in the mornings when I sit down with my journal and I write stuff down, I'm very intentional not to listen to anything and just be still. And I think in those moments, you find these great ideas. All right, onto our Hub Shots throwback of the week, Craig. What was happening? Well, a year ago, they were building, HubSpot took over the integration with Jira. Right. So they were thinking HubSpot tickets with Jira tickets. The reason I mentioned that, that's not particularly exciting in itself, but it just shows their ecosystem. I've put a screenshot of their ecosystem. They're just hundreds and hundreds of integrations now. They've really grown that. Remember when they kind of announced it a year or two ago? It's like, oh, yeah, wow, how quickly it's grown. 
That's right, listeners. And just so you know, when we were doing training today, some of the questions people asked me was, we use this particular event platform. Can we integrate with that? And I was pretty sure in the, in the back of my head, I was like, I'm pretty sure I can, right? Now, it wasn't necessarily apparent if you went to the app store within HubSpot that there was a connector. Because I have a feeling that this, the way it was set up was you had to connect it from the app, the app that they were using into HubSpot so the data could flow. And so just be aware that just because you don't see it necessarily in the app marketplace doesn't mean that it can't be connected. And there are other ways to connect stuff. So be aware of that and ask the question. All right, resource of the week, Craig. Just quickly mention Google material icons. So, you know, you can go to Google Fonts. And yes. There's Google Fonts. I think everyone knows that. They've now got an icon set there. That's so fantastic. Open source, just use it. Keeping it consistent. All right, onto our quote for the week. Intelligence is knowing tomatoes are a fruit and wisdom is knowing not to put them into a fruit salad. Well, thanks to Justin for reminding us of this. Go the extra. I, I was having a trouble at uh, finding the original source of that. I think it's a guy called Miles Kington, but unfortunately in Google, because a, a rather famous UK footballer used it in a press conference, Yes, he gets most of the Google attribution. But yeah, I think this is from like 30 or 40 years ago. Anyway, wow. sorry if... if uh, we haven't got the attribution quite right, but it's a good it's quote. It's a great quote, isn't it? Anything to do with our bonus links of the week, Craig? Look, we've got uh, a number of them there. The only one I'm going to call out, have you seen this? the Tom Cruise deepfakes that are on t- TikTok? No. Oh, wow. you got to see this. So we've got links in the show notes to this. This guy has done these deepfakes of Tom Cruise uh, playing golf, uh, tripping over, all kinds of things. And uh, anyway, it went viral on TikTok. And when I... Saw it on Twitter, people going, oh, my goodness, you know, the, the end is here. Look how easy it is. You know, they can fake anything. It's coming. But this article points to how much work went into that. So, listeners, just I'll just highlight. He hired a Tom Cruise impersonator, worked with him for a while. He ingested uh, thousands of photos and video stills of Tom Cruise into his um, system He's a visual effects um, expert, so he works on, you know, shows doing visual effects. Then it, even then, it took him more than 72 hours of putting this together to do these couple of minutes of deepfake video. So it's not as though, oh, yeah, you, we just go to a website, plug it in, and it's, oh, deepfakes, ahoy. No, there's still a lot of work, but it shows. I mean, that'll wrap. The that possibility. W- that will reduce to minutes rather than 72 hours. That'll reduce to minutes in the coming years. Of course, we know that. It's coming. So it's kind of scary and kind of exciting, but... It's not quite here yet, but uh, worth being aware of this. And again, when you subscribe to the show notes, you'll get some extra bonus content, right, Craig? Really good one from Tom Critchlow on how to put together a good presentation, good marketing slide deck. Yeah, really good. And finally, we have Google and privacy, right? Well, (laughs) did you know that Google wants a privacy-first web, Ian? Oh. So I hear Craig. Oh, the lols. (laughs) Yeah, I've got a big um, article in the show notes where I talk about that, pull together the various news about them. They're they're phasing out third-party cookies. We've known that for the last year or so. But just how clever Google is now at putting people into cohorts. So they talk about privacy. It's really about what is is your definition of privacy? Because according to Google, you're you're getting privacy. According to me, you're not. But anyway, (laughs) your mileage may vary. Check it out. Well, listeners, we hope you've enjoyed this show. If you'd like to make sure you get those show notes in your inbox, please subscribe. And again, please connect with myself on LinkedIn and send me a note to say that you listen to the show. And how should we connect with you, Craig? 
Uh, well, reply to the email. Reply to the email. Yes, there you go. I do reply to email. And by the way, I just call out to our new show notes Twitter feed, which is twitter.com slash shots hub. Gee, how many followers do we have, Craig? I think we had five. Oh, five fantastic. Five last episode, uh, which is a companion to our twitter.com slash hub shots, which is our main feed. Shots hub is the show notes feed. So go and follow that and we'll follow you back. Well, listeners, until next time. Catch you later, Ian. See you, Craig. Hey there, thanks for listening to this episode of HubShots. To get the latest show notes, HubSpot tips and marketing resources, sign up at HubShots.com. You can also book time with us to help you grow better with HubSpot.